Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. It's our hope that this message would encourage you in your faith and would help you to get to know God's love, grace, and mercy in a personal way. If you have any questions on the sermon or would like to know more about Maranatha, please visit us on the web at maranathafreelutheran.com or call our church office at 218-498-2808. Thank you, and may God bless. Uh, so glad you could join us again for our Lenten services. We've been going over this theme of who needs repentance, and uh, Bridget kind of mentioned it vaguely, but this text is a little bit of a, of a different text. Not, many, not much of us, uh, we, have, we haven't spent a whole lot of time in the Old Testament prophet of Zechariah, and so we're going to do that tonight. And as we, as we get into Zechariah, um, I want to do something a little bit different tonight. Uh, I'm going to have you help me read uh, some of our scripture passages, okay? I'll read verse 1 where it says, right, pastor, and then where it says congregation, that's you guys. So I'm going to read the first verse that has all the hard names and places and, and things like that. And then if you guys want to pick it up at verse 2, and uh, we'll go from there, okay? Reading in Jesus' name, Zechariah chapter 1. Uh, in the eighth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechai, the son of Ido, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus declares the Lord of hosts, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I thank you for, uh, for the evening, for the food that we uh, ate together, for the fellowship that we had one with another. Uh, it's just so good to gather together. And I just want to thank you also for the warmer weather and for spring that has finally come and the melting that's happened and uh, for the puddles that we can run around and splash in and uh, just enjoy. And I do thank you again for this evening and even for this text. Uh, for Zechariah and for what you called him to do. Lord, we ask that you would lead us and guide us as we look at your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to keep, uh, keep the outline pretty simple tonight. Um, just two words, and uh, that's the two main points of the sermon. We'll expand them and talk about them a little bit more. Uh, but, but they both start with the letter R. And uh, so how is this for easy confirmation students? This is a give me, right? Uh, and uh, I'm actually going to give you them, and you probably already have guessed them if you've looked at the sermon title and looked at the outline. The two R's are remember and repent. Remember and repent. Pretty easy for that. So first, what did, what did uh, Zechariah tell the people, God's people, to remember? He told them two things. And first was to remember your history. Remember the history. We, I, I read in, in verse 1 that this took place in the eighth month of the second year of Darius. And if you're like most people, uh, those dates went in one ear and out the other, right? Even as I just reread them again, you just did not pay attention. And I get that. But as Zechariah is telling us this, He's, he's placing himself in history. We can actually use the dates that he gave us here in and back, back them up with history, very accurately with history. 
I think I have, oh, that's kind of hard to see, isn't it? I apologize about that. Um, There's a timeline there on the screen. And uh, we know from, from history that Darius became the king of Persia in 522 B.C. He, he was later called Darius the Great, and actually, as the adults, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, so two years before, or two years after, I'm sorry, Darius became king would have been 520, um, 520 B.C. And 520 B.C. is when both Zechariah and Haggai um, have their prophecies. And uh, Haggai, the book before Zechariah, actually starts off and, and gives the exact date. Uh, Haggai doesn't do that, just gives the, the month that he does that. But if we were to put this, this whole thing, uh, if we were to put this whole thing on a, on a big biblical timeline and look at it from a big picture, this is actually kind of a sad part of Israel's history. Uh, this text that we're, we're looking at tonight took place 500 years after like the heyday of Israel when they had kings like David and Solomon. You guys have studied David and Solomon before, right? Uh, the students in, in Zechariah's day were learning David and Solomon as ancient history. All right? And this is still 500 years before Jesus was to come. So kind of in the middle of, of this, uh, kind of in this in this. Place here, and the, the temple of Jerusalem had been destroyed about 65 years before, and so it's a really sad time for them. Uh, there was some good news, though, because they had been uh, let go from, from Babylon, because the king of Persia came and, and conquered them. They had been let go from Babylon, let go to their own homes so they could uh, retake, or rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and they've actually been back in Jerusalem for 18 years, rebuilding the temple and the work has kind of stopped and that's what Zechariah and Haggai uh, kind of come to say is hey let's get back on our feet let's keep building the temple building God's house and so in the midst of all of this God calls a prophet and calls him or calls Zechariah to be this prophet it said the word of the Lord came to Zechariah so what is a what is a prophet this isn't a rhetorical question, by the way. What is a prophet? Can somebody tell me what a prophet is? Somebody who tells God's word. Yeah, thank you for being so bold and, and talking, right? <laughs> uh, a prophet was somebody who told God's word. Another way to think about it is this. A prophet was a spokesman for God. The Lord would talk with that prophet either through a dream or a vision and then that person would tell the people what the Lord had said. They would convey the words Lord, the word of the Lord to the people. And people in uh, the Old Testament too weren't just supposed to believe everybody who claimed to be a prophet. People, God's people had to be very discerning. If a prophet prophesied something that did not come true, well, they were not supposed to believe in that prophet. They weren't supposed to listen to that prophet. Uh, can you think of any other Old Testament prophets? What are some of their names? Jeremiah, Isaiah. What about this guy named Moses? You've heard of him before, right? He was an Old Testament prophet. And uh, a lot of those names at the end of the Old Testament, like uh, 
Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, those guys, those are all prophets of God. And uh, again, they, would, they were these spokesmen for the Lord. And so the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. And Zechariah, by the way, whose name means the Lord remembers, called the Lord's people to remember. But first, he said, right, remember your history. And he, he also told them to remember the anger of the Lord. Remember the anger of the Lord. Earlier, you guys read verse 2, and it said, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. It's not a nice, happy verse to start off with, is it, right? Usually, we want to, we want to think and we want to focus on the Lord and his love and his mercy and his grace and his goodness and his kindness. And we don't often talk about the Lord being angry. But in Scripture, the Lord does get angry, and he gets angry at sin, and by the way, the Lord wasn't just a little bit angry, right, with, with his people, with Israel, with, with Judah. Uh, it says literally that the Lord wrathed wrath towards his people. <laughs> he was torqued off. He was, he was ticked off. So why? Why was the Lord angry with his people? It turns out there was actually a couple of reasons that the Lord had gotten angry with his people. A myriad of reasons. We'll go through just a couple of them. Uh, First and foremost, they had constantly broke the first commandment. Confirmation students, what is the first commandment? Somebody said it over there. You shall have no other gods before me, right? I should have called on some of the non-confirmation students to see if they remembered that as well, right? (laughs) You shall have no other gods before me. Again, not that they were literally other gods. They're false gods. They should not be worshipped, right? But wrapped up in that first commandment, in the not having any other gods before the Lord God, is this prohibition against making idols, bowing down to images of wood or stone, uh, things like that. And this was the practice of the nations that lived around Israel. They had, they had their own local deities, uh, they were, and the way they would begin worshiping those gods, and Israel did this, they'd be worshiping all of those local gods in addition to the Lord God and the one true God. And so God was angry at his people for worshiping other gods. Another reason that the Lord was angry with his people was their uh, faithless leadership. The priests and the Levites, the ones who, who, were, who were tasked with serving the Lord and ministering to the people, they were instead serving themselves. Ezekiel, who is another Old Testament prophet, uh, describes the priests as, as getting fat off of the sacrifices that the people were making. And so the Lord was angry with them for that. And there's a, uh, another reason that the Lord was angry with his people, and we could mention a whole lot of them, uh, but this will suffice for now. The Lord was angry at his people uh, because of their abuse of the poor and the downcast in society. And Amos, uh, another one of God's prophets, described Israel, described the people of God this way. They sell, they sell the righteous people for silver, and the needy people they sell for a pair of sandals. That means I'm going to sell you, Serena, for a pair of sandals, (laughs) right? That's not right. That's not right. And so God comes and says, you should not do this. They also trample down the poor into the dust of the earth, and they turn aside the way of the afflicted. In the house of their God, they get drunk, 
And Amos continues to rail against the people of, of God and how they mistreat the poor and the downcast. Those are just a couple of reasons that the Lord was angry with his people. Not only had uh, they broken his laws and not kept his word, but really they had abandoned him, turned their back on God, and began to worship others. The Lord loved his people, but they neglected him. And Israel, Israel and Judah's sin, it brings us to our second R word for the evening, uh, repent. Repent. Uh, through the next verses of Zechariah chapter 1, the Lord is inviting his people to repent and to return to him. Uh, we read this verse, but it's so foundational that I want to look at it again. Uh, Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. Therefore say to them, and again, this is the word of the Lord coming to Zechariah, telling him to tell others. Say to them, this, thus declares the Lord of hosts, return to me says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. The Hebrew word shub is, uh, is translated in this verse as return, and it describes in a word what repentance is. All during Lent, we've talked about this repentance and what it means, and we've been asking the question, who needs to repent? Who needs repentance? And as we've studied this, we, we, we've learned that to repent means to acknowledge your sin and to turn from it, right? Returning to the Lord your God. Repentance isn't just a one-time thing that you do and you're set for life, but repentance is a, a continual course correction in your life. It's realizing that you are off of the mark, uh, adjusting the direction, the course of your life continually and conforming it continually in line with God's will and with his word. And the Lord's people, the nations of Israel and Judah, they were in need of a, of a massive course correction. They were on autopilot heading straight off of the cliff. And some of these verses that we talked about earlier, breaking the first commandment, their, their faithlessness in, in leaders, their, their oppression of the poor, all of these and, and more sins were, were leading Israel and Judah to their doom. And nothing but a wholesale course correction would remedy their situation. And so the Lord extends, he extends a gracious invitation to them, to these people. He says, return to me. Come back to me. Recalibrate the GPSs of your heart and return to me. And, and notice, the, the Lord isn't the, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies there. He isn't inviting people back to a, a religious system or a set of rules or a code of morals. He's inviting them to return to him, to a right relationship with him. Return to your heavenly Father, he says, who loves you, who gave himself for you. Return to me. What a gracious invitation God is giving. And at first, the people of Israel and, and Judah, they rejected these invitations to forgiveness and repentance. And this is what Zechariah talks about in the next verses, verses uh, 4 through the first part of verse 6. They're on the screen, but look at these with me. Zechariah says, Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets cried out, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return from your evil ways and your evil deeds. But they did not hear or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, 
do they live forever? But my word and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? Zechariah, again, has to remind the people of the Lord more and more of their history uh, and how far short they've fallen, right? Despite the constant call of God through his prophets to repent and return, the people are continually, repeatedly, consistently uh, rejecting the Lord's offer of grace and mercy and forgiveness, And Jeremiah, the prophet who lived about 100 years before Zechariah, said this, and uh, this uh, kind of summarizes the people's rejection of the Lord well. Jeremiah says this in chapter 7, This command that the Lord gave his people, Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I command you, and it will be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear. That means they did not listen. But they walked in their own counsels and in the stubbornness of their evil hearts. And they went backwards and not forwards. From the day that your fathers came out of Egypt to this day, I have persistently sent all of my servants, the prophets, to them day after day. Yet they did not listen to me or incline their ear. But they stiffened their neck. They did worse than their fathers." The people of God did not listen to God or obey him as God. Instead, as Jeremiah says, they walked in the stubbornness of their own hearts, following their own desires. And no matter how many times God sent a prophet to them to tell them uh, his word, his law, they did not listen. Instead, they, they stiffened their necks uh, against the Lord. We might say they, they strengthened their resolve against the Lord. God had done everything for his people. Everything. He brought them out of Egypt. He, he provided them a home. He blessed them with his presence. But yet still they rebelled. Still they went astray. Still they rejected his invitation for love and for grace and for mercy. And as a consequence, the nations of Judah and Israel and the people of God, they were punished for their sin. Right, the Lord used uh, pagan nations, Assyria and Babylon, to punish, to dish out the punishment uh, of the Lord against his own people, the, the punishment that they earned for continually rejecting him. But that wasn't the story for the end of Israel and Judah. They, they rejected the Lord time and time again, but time and time again, the Lord never gave up on his people. He never stopped reaching out to his people in love. His offer to remember and return was left open uh, during, even during their time of punishment. And in the last half of verse 6, Zechariah talks about the repentance that did occur among some of God's people. The last half of Zechariah chapter, chapter 1 verse 6 says, So they repented. So they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts has purposed to deal with us for our ways and deeds, so he has dealt with us. So they repented. Finally, some good news, right? Uh, everywhere, uh, elsewhere in Scripture, uh, Daniel, who was a leader among the exiles, Ezra, who was also a leader among the exiles, a priest served after the exile, both of them described the repentance that the people went through, the remorse for their sins after it was too late to avoid the punishment for their sins. They were sorry even after they had had that consequence. And I'm, I'm sure there are times uh, where you guys have, have done something wrong, apologized for it, and still gotten in trouble, right? 
uh, and I'm kind of specifically looking at you guys, but I could be looking at the rest of you as well too, right? <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, you, you, your mom told you for about the thousandth time that day not to throw the baseball in the house, but what do you do? You wind up and you throw the baseball, right? And where does it hit? A window or the TV, right? And all of a sudden that's broken. And no matter how sorry you are for it, right? Does it make the window or the TV better? No, no. You still get a consequence for that disobedience, right? It was kind of like that for God's people. Even though they were sorry for their sins, there was still a consequence that they had to go over. And the Lord God... At the end here with Zechariah, in his grace and in his mercy, he ended the consequence for sin. The exile was over and they were able to return home. And I want to leave you with this, with this thought, this one final thought. And if you hear nothing else that I have said tonight, hear this, right? Um, if, you, if you have sinned, and I don't think there's any of us who are outside of that that statement, if you have sinned, if you have done wrong, it is never too late to repent and turn to the Lord. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad it might seem, no matter how many windows you've broken with the baseball, right? God is still there waiting for you to return with open arms. And he loves you, and he loves you enough that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for sending yourself to die on the cross in our place and on our behalf, taking the, the punishment that we deserve. Thank you for your love, Heavenly Father, your love that never ends, your love that goes on and on. And Lord, as we turn our attention to the cross and to Jesus, we pray that you would continue to make that reality of, of Jesus real in our lives. It's in his name we pray. Amen.